morning, if you would, let's turn to our passage, uh, Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22. And I know you have an insert in your bulletin. Uh, if you would, just follow along. I am reading from a different version this morning, and I'm just going to add a, a few verses to the, to the passage at the end of, of the passage that you have indicated in your bulletin. Our message this morning entitled, The First and Great Commandment. We'll look now at the word of the Lord, Matthew chapter 22, and we'll begin reading in verse 34. Matthew 22:34. But when the Pharisees had heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question, tempting him and saying, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now I want to add just a few more verses than is indicated in your bulletin. Verse 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, The son of David. He saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit call him Lord? Saying, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand, till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he his son? And no man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. May God add his blessing and understanding to this, his holy word. Today's message, the first and great commandment, is a mission's message. It may not appear to be so, but it is love that is the primary motivation of missions. John Piper's written series of books, a famous book, he says, it's the glory of God. Well, yes, that's true. And God is glorified when we love him, when we bear much fruit by working through faith, through love. God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only begotten son, who's the greatest missionary of all times. It's Christ Jesus. He gave up the most. He traveled the furthest. He suffered the most. He saved the most. Jesus Christ, the prime missionary example. And it was love that motivated his coming. God the Father loved us, dear sinners. Those of us who've been born again, bought with the price of the blood of Jesus Christ, it was the love of God the Father that motivated missions. And without that same love inside of our spirit, we too will be undone when it comes to ultimately trying to uh, win in the missionary endeavor. It is love, the first and the great commandment. The question that was asked by the Pharisees, it says the Pharisees in verse 34 in our text, when the Pharisees had heard that he put the Sadducees to silence, they were gathered together. Pharisees and Sadducees, you know, they were, they were a sort of competing parties uh, for the power of the uh, Sanhedrin and the Jewish uh, uh, hierarchy. And uh, so the Pharisees heard that Jesus overcame the Sadducees, so they said, ah, well, we'll get him. <laughs> and so one came up, and it's a lawyer. And this isn't, uh, you know, somebody in the newspaper. No, this is a lawyer of the law of the Old Testament who asked Jesus a question, tempting him, saying, 
Master, which is the great commandment in the law? A very important question. If you will study the Gospels, Jesus was asked this question many times. Sometimes in this exact wording, sometimes in different wording. It's not that the Gospel writers got it confused. He was asked this question many different times in different occasions of his ministry. And every time, the answer is essentially the same. Although he may speak it in a little bit different way. The great commandment, the first commandment, the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. And uh, he answers this, and then he says in verse 40 something very important upon which we will build with God's grace and mercy our message today. Verse 40, on these two commandments hang all of the law and prophets. All of the law and prophets, what are the Jewish scribes and Pharisees and lawyers and Sadducees concerned with? They don't have the Gospels. They don't have Paul. They don't have any of the New Testament. They're concerned with the law and the prophets. On these two commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, all of what you believe, the law, the prophets, the Torah, everything, Isaiah, Elijah, everyone, Moses, it hangs or stands or falls on these two. And we see that Jesus is not just giving his opinion. Of course, he being God is entitled to his opinion, and whatever his opinion is, is right. But he's actually quoting the Old Testament. Where does he get this answer? Let's take a quick look back at Deuteronomy 6, if you will. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6, we have the famous Shema. Shema, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Hear, O Israel, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. In Deuteronomy 5, you have the recapitulation of the Ten Commandments. In Deuteronomy 6 and the rest of the book of Deuteronomy, you have the giving of the law. And Jesus answers, what's the greatest of the law? What's the greatest law of the commandments? He said, the great law and the first. He didn't just say the great. The great and the first is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Why did he say and the first? Because right here, before the law is given again to Israel in a summary form, look at how it starts. Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. And now verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. It's God the Father who spoke these words through his, his, uh, his spirit, through Moses to his people. And it's God the Son who gave the very same answer to the Pharisees and the scribes when Jesus was ministering on the earth. And this is the first, and then all of the law follows this. Before you can do any of the commandments to do good, do what is right and to omit that which is wrong, before you can please God, it all has to be based out of a relationship of loving God. That's the first and the great commandment. And then in the next few verses here in Deuteronomy 6, it unpacks what does it look like when you love God. Let's take a look. What does God say? Look at Deuteronomy 6, the very next verse 6. Verse 6. And these words which I command thee this day shall be where? Shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. And thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house. And when thou walkest by the way. And when thou liest down. And when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand. And they shall be frontlets between thine eyes. Thou shalt write them upon the post of my house. And on thy, of thy house and on thy gates. Now, does that sound like us? 
What are we talking about? What are we thinking about? You say, well, you know, that's a little over the top. You see these uh, Orthodox Jews in New York, they have things in front of their eyes and little boxes on their head, you know, with, with parts of uh, this law and, and, uh, and they have little booklets before their eyes. Surely that's not what God is talking about. No, God's talking about a heart issue here. If we truly love him, when we wake up in the morning, the first thing will not be, oh my goodness, another day it will be, oh, praise God, you're with me. No matter what I face today, you're with me, Lord. Even if you can't speak to your spouse, God forbid, you're alienated. But you can speak to your Lord and God because you love him and you wake up and you say, thank you, Lord God, for giving me another day to do thy will because I love you with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when you go to bed at night, you say, thank you, God, for another day upon this earth to do your will because we're not our own. We've been bought with a price, the price of the blood of Jesus Christ who purchased each and every one of us who's been born again with his precious blood on the cross 2,000 years ago. We're not our own. We're his. And we are to love him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. It should come out of our mouths. Day after day, we should say things like, praise the Lord. Thanks be to God. You say, well, that's kind of holy roller talk. Well, it's time to get rolling. Let's go. Because God wants us, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What are we always talking about? Is it football? Well, I like football, but let's not make that what we always talk about. Is it, is it cars? Is it, is it our home? Is it our work? Is it our family? What is it? Th these things aren't bad in and of themselves, but if that's what preoccupies our mind and our thinking, is it our personal appearance? I'm too fat, or I'm too this, or I'm not enough that. All of these things crowd out what God has commanded us to do. He didn't say, love the Lord your God with part of your heart some of your heart, a half of your heart, if you're really sanctified, three quarters of your heart. No, he said all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, all of your strength. And how can we do it? Well, certainly it's very, very difficult. We see, and if you were to do a study on the book of Deuteronomy, you would find that as God gives us the law and gives us specific commandments to perform, there is a refrain. It keeps going over and over. This verse, this verse, Deuteronomy 6, verse 5, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind. It is repeated over and over again in Deuteronomy. If you were to study it, you would see in 7, 9, in 10, 12, in chapter 11, verse 1, 13, and 22, chapter 13, chapter 19, chapter 30. It's a refrain. And God is reminding us, all of this law will not work unless you remember to love me with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. On that note, if you are turning in your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 13. If you're not, just sit there and listen. I'll do it for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know this famous passage that we, we uh, always love to hear at weddings? That's where you usually hear it. The love chapter. Let's just look at the first three verses. The first three verses. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, that's in the King James, that word is love. The reason they translated it charity is because this is agape. And this is more than just a brotherly love. It's certainly not the erotic love. It is the same Greek term used in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That same agape. And that's why it says charity here. If I have not charity, or that is the God-type sacrificial selfless love, I have become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy 
and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and I have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Give all your goods to the poor. Go and be a martyr for Christ. But if you don't love the Lord, God's word says you've missed it. I submit to you today that we as Christians, for the most part, have missed it. Well hath the prophet Isaiah saith, This people draweth nigh to me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Do you love God this morning? Say, sure I love God. Well, let's take a look at a man in the Bible who God the Father said, blessed him, honored him by saying he's a man after mine own heart. David, Psalm 63. Let's take a look at the way David's relationship with the Lord was. Just a few verses from this psalm. And I'm not saying that this has to be, every verse has to be exactly our feeling, but let's just try to gauge ourselves this morning. David was a man who God the Father said, he is a man after mine own heart. And this is how David spoke of the Lord. And does this sound remotely like our feelings toward our Lord? Let's take a look quickly in Psalm 63. Psalm 63, verse 1. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see thy power and thy glory, so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee. While I live, I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of thy wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee. Thy right hand upholdeth me. Dear brothers and sisters, does your soul follow hard after God today? Do you thirst for him as in a dry and thirsty land? Or have we been so, so captured by the world and all of our day-to-day encumbrances and necessary necessities that we have to do, our work, our school, our family, issues, problems, obstacles? What is our passion today? Is it the movies? Is it college sports? Praise God for these things that God have allowed to be created to, to help us to enjoy things. But where is our passion? If it is not God, then God has said that all that you do for him is worthless. All of our works are as filthy rags. If we do not have a loving relationship with God, all of the good works we do, I believe the Bible teaches, are, are good for nothing. According to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, if I give my body to be burned for the Lord and I have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Jesus says in our text in Matthew chapter 22, uh, it's verse, thir- uh, verse 40, as I mentioned before, on these two commandments, all of the law and prophets hang. There was a minister, a TV minister. Sometimes you can get good things from TV ministers, I'll admit it. And I got this from him. <laughs> he said... Uh, He had a vision of this passage, 
of a man with some curtains in his hand, and he was trying to hang the curtains over on the window, and he went to the window, and he tried to hang the curtains, and they would fall to the floor. He picks them up, he tries to hang them again, they fall to the floor. Problem is, there was no curtain rod. <laughs> well, that sounds pretty silly, uh, because it's awfully hard to hang curtains without a curtain rod. You know, you can put push pins in drywall only so far, and then they'll fall back out if you've ever tried that. I certainly have. And so, without that rod, the curtains will fall. Without the rod of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself, all of the Old Testament law and prophets is worthless to you. All of it stands or falls on loving the Lord your God. And loving your neighbor as yourself. This is what Jesus was teaching. And doesn't it make sense? Think of the Ten Commandments. What are they? You divide them in half. The first five essentially are about your love relationship with God. I will worship you alone. I won't worship any idol. I will not take your name in vain. Right? Of course you've got honor your father and mother. But then the second five are about what? Loving your neighbor. Isn't that interesting? Don't steal. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't bear false witness. Don't covet. You see, the first five hang on loving God. The second five hang on loving your neighbor as yourself. All of the law is encapsulated in these two. I'm afraid, brothers and sisters, I don't know about you. Maybe you have a clear conscience about this this morning, but I constantly am a bit unnerved by the thought that God commands us to love him. He's not seeking. Jesus didn't say, why do you do the things I told you not to do? What did he say? Why don't you do what I told you to do? And what does he tell us to do? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, you know, think about it. Uh, when we come down to it, Jesus says in Matthew 6, and then again in Luke he says, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He didn't say where your heart is, there will your treasure be. He said where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Is your treasure in heaven with God? Is he what takes the passions of your heart and you think about the Lord and you get excited. You think about, now as you're older, I understand this is more reasonable than when you're young, but do you ever think about seeing the Lord face to face? Do you ever think, boy, that's going to really be something. I can't wait to get to heaven and see the Lord and be there with him and be in the absence of sin, be in the absence of every ugly and, and terrible thing of sickness and disease, of hatred, of malice, of war, and be there with him in perfect holiness, looking at the beauty of his face does that even compute today it must it should he is to be our place that we set our love upon him in psalm 91 it says because you have set your love upon me therefore i will deliver him because he has known my name and now i just want to share a few more thoughts before we close if you like me are convicted to say you know perhaps i am Missing it just a bit. What are some reasons that we don't love the Lord as he's asked us to? Because without that love relationship, we're not going to have the proper motive or the power to go and reach anyone. As we'll see in the message at 11 o'clock, you can't love your neighbor unless you truly have a love relationship with God. 
If you don't have the vertical relationship right with God, if you don't have him inside of you by the Holy Ghost in your heart, you are not able to love your neighbor the way you should. You can't get the horizontal relationship right. And so the vertical comes first. And so we see, we ask ourselves, why don't we love God? Perhaps some people, maybe not in this congregation, I hope, but some people really don't know him. Because to know him is to love him. Because what is God? God is love. And the more that you know him, the more the beauties of him you will see. The more, and don't just think, you have to look at God as the triune God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yes, see that God who created the heavens and the earth. Yes, see that God who has wrath against sin. But also see the God, the Son, who was on the cross dying for you and saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Yes, that was to the Jews and to the Romans, but it was to you and I, for our sin is what nailed him to the cross. And see the Holy Spirit even working amongst us right now. To know God is to love him. And if you don't have a passion for the Lord today, if you have no impulse of true love towards your God, I suggest that you ask him, Lord, reveal yourself to me because perhaps we don't know him. Or number two, we don't know him rightly. And the best way to know him aright is through the word of God and primarily through his manifestation to us. Through who? Through Christ Jesus. And then finally, there is one reason that I think most of us as church folks are not quite where we need to be when it comes to loving God. And that is, we have another lover. We have another lover. We're spiritual adulterers. The Apostle John says, he who has love for the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We love the world. And we have a lovely world here in America. We have beautiful cars. We have I love barbecue. I love to eat all sorts of different foods. You know, in the north, I'm bereft of some of these wonderful southern culinary delights. But here I come and I delight in, in tasting the different foods and, oh, thinking about the worldly pleasures. It doesn't mean that we can't enjoy them. God gave us taste buds for a reason. doesn't want all food to taste the same, terrible. No, he wants us to enjoy it. Nevertheless, our love, our passion must be always for him. This was throughout the Old Testament. God and his nation, Israel, always they are adulterating themselves spiritually. They're turning to other gods. And the whole picture of the Old Testament is God is, is the one who has, has bought them and has engaged himself to them. And yet they as a nation, his people, go constantly to other gods. And so too in the New Testament, are we not called the bride of Christ? Did you not know that we are engaged to Jesus spiritually? Yes, it says such in Ephesians chapter 5. We're the bride of Christ. We're engaged to the Lord Jesus. And it's just waiting fulfillment in Revelation 19. When we go to heaven after the last day, there will be a marriage supper. And we will be there waiting for the Lord. And that marriage will be consummated. Did you know that you're engaged to Christ this day? Whether you're a man or a woman. We've been given the down payment or the earnest of, the, of that uh, engagement. The engagement ring, if you will. In Ephesians chapter 1 it says, which is the Holy Spirit of God. How have we kept ourselves pure for the one who has in, been engaged to us? The groom who is waiting for us. Have we kept ourselves pure? Does our heart grow in love and anticipation of that marriage day every day? As you have, you remember your first sweetheart? 
Remember how you loved them? Oh, I do. Maybe you all, the first sweetheart, you didn't have one, just got married and no feelings or anything. But I'll, I'll confess today. <laughs> I just was enamored with my first sweetheart. I just couldn't think of anything else. I mean, I tell you, she'd write me a little letter, and I'd just carry that in my pocket everywhere I go, you know. I just loved to hear her voice on the phone, and I, she just was everything. And I submit to you today that that's not too far off of how we should be with the Lord. After all, is that not the image? We are engaged to him. Our exhilaration, our passion, our love, our anticipation to be with him, to see him face to face, no longer through a glass darkly, but there to, be, to know him even as we are known, to see his beauty, to see that which our heart and our soul has passion for, that ultimate uh, final uh, answer to our yearning and our heart, our groanings which cannot be uttered, Christ Jesus, should we not feel the same way? Should we not have some of those feelings? Remember, once again, brothers and sisters, we are not our own if we've been born again, if we've become Christians. 1 Corinthians six 19, we've been bought with the price of Jesus Christ's blood. We're his. And if you can't love God now, God help you when you go to heaven because there won't be anything else to love except God. It's not about gold streets and Rolls Royces. No, no, it's about Christ. It's about God. It's about worshiping him forever and ever. I want to close with some of the last words that Jesus ever taught. Jesus said that the first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love your neighbor as yourself. But some of the last words that Jesus taught are, are strangely the same. Let's look at the end of the Gospel of John as we close the message today. The end of the Gospel of John we find that the resurrected Christ, after he's gone to the cross, by the way, what kept him on the cross? It was his love for us and his love for God. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but thine. And then we see at the end of the Gospel of John, chapter 21, verse 15. Bear with me, we're almost finished. I just want to look at a few verses here in John 21. The resurrected Christ is on the seashore. He makes a fish breakfast. Boy, I bet that fish tasted good. If God's the cook, man, it must have been good. And he has his disciples come in. In verse 15, he says, So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? That word there in the Greek is agape. He's asking Simon, do you love me with that God-type love that, that, we, that God the Father loves you when he sent me to die for you? Do you truly love me with that selfless love more than these, whether that's more than the other disciples, more than the world? And what, is, what does Simon Peter answer? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. Peter answers with a different word. He answers with the word phileo in the Greek. Here in the English, it's the same word, love. But phileo is a brotherly love. It's a lesser love, in a sense, than that agape love. Jesus says, do you love me the way you're supposed to, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Do you love me more than all of these? I think he's saying more than the world. And Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you with that brotherly love. I think that's why Jesus asked him the second time. The second time, verse 16, he saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Now he's not asking, do you love me more than these? But he's still using the word agape. Do you love me 
with the God type love you should? He didn't even ask him though, do you love me more than these? Jesus is condescending to Peter's level. Peter answers again, how? Oh yes, I love you. But once again with the phileo word, phileo love, the brotherly love. And that's why I think Jesus answered, asked him a third time. And the third time he condescended once again. And he says in verse 17, he saith unto him the third time, Simon, Peter, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith to him, feed my sheep. This third time, Jesus changes the word to phileo. Do you love me with that brotherly love that, that you've just said that you did? Do you see how Jesus has condescended from saying, you must love me with the God-type love more than all of these? Peter says, yes, I love you in the brotherly love. Jesus condescends. You must love me with the God-type love. And he doesn't say more than all these in verse 16. And Peter says, yes, I love you with the brotherly love. And then finally, verse 17, Jesus comes down to Peter's level and he says, do you love me with the brotherly love that you've just confessed? Do you really love God even with that? Peter was grieved the third time. I'm grieved to hear this message in my own soul, asking myself, do I really love God as he commands me to? But if it wasn't for his grace and his mercy and his Holy Spirit inside of us, none of us could love him. And that same condescension that God in Jesus Christ made to Peter at that day is the very same condescension that allows us to love him. The condescension of Jesus the Son who was in eternal fellowship with God the Father who came down and humbled himself. Though he was in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal to, with God, but he humbled himself to the form of a servant. And yes, not just to show up as a 33-year-old, which I would have done, but to go into the womb of a human woman, nine months like everyone else, and to be raised up in subjection to his parents like everyone else, so that he completely would fulfill the law. God demands perfect holiness. He demands from each and every one of you that you love him with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and if you don't, you're not acceptable to the Lord. Who can do it? I can't. You can't. Christ Jesus alone did. And that is why he had to be incarnate. That is why he who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God cannot lie. He cannot change. The Old Testament law says we must love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Until someone does that, the law is judging us. So no man could do it. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God in his infinite mercy and foreknowledge and providence sent himself in the person of Christ Jesus to be born of a virgin so that original sin would not pass upon him so that even from the womb he was sinless that he might fulfill the law that we could not fulfill and he might endure the wrath of God's wrath upon sin that we all deserve so that all who might believe upon him and the cross and his death, burial and his resurrection might be saved, might have the righteousness of God which is in Christ Jesus and that gift of the Holy Spirit of God that comes inside of our hearts when we're born again. The engagement ring, if you will, to be engaged to Jesus Christ. We're his bride. It's that Holy Spirit inside of us that helpeth our infirmities and helps us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Don't say you can't do it because with God's grace and his mercy and by his spirit you can. 
but we have to make a choice. Will we walk by the Spirit or will we walk by the flesh? We have to walk in the Spirit. We have to read the Word daily. How can you love someone you don't know? How do you know God? You have to know Him by His Word. For in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. How do you expect to love someone you don't know? How do you expect to love someone that you never think about? We must daily meditate in His Word. How do you think you're going to love someone who you don't talk to? We must daily talk to Him in prayer. We must daily seek His help, and we must daily listen to Him. And once you begin to hear His voice, His language of love through His Son, Jesus, manifest for you and for you and for all of you, then you will begin to love him because we can only love him because he first loved us. And if you know the love that he had towards you, that while you were yet in sin, his son Jesus came to die for us. We were on our way to hell. We have all turned away from his law. And yet even while we were rebellious towards him, he decided to give up that perfect fellowship with his son Jesus that he had for eternity past. And when Jesus went to the cross, he was agonizing in prayer. Why? Because he was afraid of a few nails? No, because he had had eternal perfect love relationship with God the Father. And he knew when your sins and mine were placed upon him on that cross, that perfect fellowship would be broken. And that's why he said on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He forsook him because of your sin and mine so that we might become sons of the most high God. When you know that love, when you understand what he's done for you, when you realize the love that he has towards you, you cannot help but love him. And he who loves me will do my commandments. And the commandment of God is to go to all of the nations and to preach the gospel of Christ, to baptize in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you for lo I am with you even to the end of the age. If we love God, if we have experienced his love manifest towards us and his grace and his mercy especially at the cross of Christ then we cannot help but love him and we don't do works so that he'll love us. We do works because he loved us and his love is inside of us and when we love him and he loves us God the Father, Jesus the Son come to make their abode in our heart and enable us to love others and the best way to love those who know not Christ is to share that love with them especially manifest in the gospel and that's our second message today at 11 o'clock love your neighbor as yourself they're intimately connected I hope if God allows you you'll come back at 11 o'clock and hear the other side of the coin now that you know what God has done towards us and our right relationship towards him we cannot leave off our duty, our debt to our neighbors around us. May God be pleased to take this word and apply it to our hearts. Produce fruit for his kingdom. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Let's join together in prayer. Our great God and our loving Heavenly Father, thank you for your love to us, manifest, poured out so liberally, so abundantly in our Savior, the Lord Jesus. Thank you for coming down when our hearts were cold toward you and cold toward our neighbor and filling the cold dungeon with the light of the love 
of you, our Heavenly Father, through the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Thank you for blasting into our darkness with his marvelous light and for causing us by your spirit to walk in the light even as our Lord Jesus is in the light. How we pray, O Lord, that as a congregation we would become a people that are full of your love. We pray that we would lift our eyes up daily to receive your blessing and benediction upon our lives. That your smile would be our chief delight and that all other passions and pursuits and delights would look so pale in comparison. So we pray, O Lord, that you would come by your spirit, seal your word to our hearts, and revive us as individuals and as your people gathered in this place. That your love for us would be so evident to the world around us. They would come and know that surely God is in this place, for we have been transformed into a people of love. We pray, O Lord, that our love as your people, as objects of your affections, would transform us so that we would love one another well. We think of those in our midst who are ill and suffering, those who are diseased, those who are bound to their homes, those who are in nursing care, hospitalized, those who grieve and mourn. We pray, O Lord, that you would raise us up as your ambassadors to come with the good news of the gospel and with deeds of compassion and mercy to these, our own, so that we might comfort them in their grief and in their affliction with the same comfort with which you have comforted us. May your love for us propel us to love one another even in this congregation with an agape love. And we think of those that are outside of our walls and especially as temperatures grow colder and the holidays approach, those who are much, much, much less fortunate than us. And we think of ministries like Pilgrim's Inn and Hope and Dorothy Day and the Salvation Army and Family Promise Hospitality. And we ask, O Lord, that you would mobilize your church, that many good deeds would be done in the name of our Lord Jesus, deeds of love towards those who are strangers in our society, that we would embrace these strangers with the love of Jesus through these ministries. Compel us each, O Lord, to find our niche as we seek to serve as a congregation and as individuals in our community, and so to bless those that so desperately need your blessing, both physically and materially, psychologically, and especially in their souls. We submit all of these prayers to you, O Lord, trusting that you know our needs better than we do. You know our need to open up our hearts and to receive your love even better than we do. And you are infinitely powerful to come and to conquer our hearts, and we pray that you would do so, not just so that we would feel loved, O oh Lord, but so that we would be motivated to spread your love across the face of this earth, even as the waters cover the sea. We ask it for your glory most of all, but for our good as a congregation and for the blessing of the nations so that they all might be the inheritance of the chief lover of our souls, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we make our prayer together 
with great joy in his name. Amen. We want to confess our common faith in this lover of our souls in the words of the Apostles' Creed printed for you in your bulletins. Let's stand together. Christian, what do you believe? I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We have a great hymn of dedication, number 405 in your red hymn books, My Jesus, I Love Thee. Let's sing together. God now receive his benediction, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, our heavenly father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, our strengthener and our comforter be with you this day and forevermore. Amen. Amen.